How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. G'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. So glad you're able to join us. And tonight, my special guest is former Olympic runner and Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Tamsin Lewis Manu. She won a total of 18, that's, that's right, 18 Australian championships across the 400 metres, 800 metres, and 400 metres hurdles. I'm just tired thinking about it and saying it. She's also a great TV presenter, commentator, and it's a privilege to have her on the show. Tamsin, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Uh, thank you for having me. What an intro. Thanks, Jace. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's well deserved. And, uh, you know, we go way back, way, way back. Well, when was the last time we actually saw each other? Was it pop? I'm talking, was it early 2000s? I can't even remember. I reckon mid 2000s. It's been way too long. Mid-2000s. It's been definitely. And you know what? Since we last caught up, a lot has happened, hasn't it? So, <laughs> yes, yes. A lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on because. Uh, you know, I've got other. Um, you've got a few. Have you got two? Is that right? Have you got two? I, I do. I'm a glutton for punishment. I went back again, so I've I got know. two kids. The youngest is three, and you know what? It's a game changer, but it's a lot of fun. It's a game changer. Look, I've got one, Presley, two years old. Uh, on and I tell you, it's just like game changer doesn't do it justice. Always. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best and the hardest thing ever, ever done. Yes, and I'm here to say that little boys are way harder than little girls. Oh, little is that boys right? are like, oh, I feel like they're a million miles an hour. <laughs> Do not stop. Whereas Millions. girls, you can get, you know, well, you know what? I feel like girls should be running the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> like I see some kids and they're sitting down in front of the TV, just chilled. No, not Presley. He wants to, he'll bang on the door until I open it so he can just run. He just wants to run outside and, he puts his arm up in the air and he like he like cheers for himself as he's running. He's two years old. He's just like he will he won't sit still. He's just like but I love that. I love it too. Don't get me wrong, but gee, it's exhausting. It was just like <laughs> can I put on Peppa Big or Blippy and just let let me have a bit of <laughs> I know. You'd rather get hit in a rugby league match, wouldn't you? It's um, it's, it's, it's less intense. <laughs> no, but it's so much fun. It's so rewarding. You're right. Being a parent the best job in the world. Do you reckon it's changed over the years, Tamsin? Because like, my mum had four. Like She's pretty much by herself in the end. Yeah. Um, my neighbours have got six. And it's like, um, I don't know. Is it, is it a new generation type thing where it's like, I don't know. It's, is it, do you think it's got harder? Do you know from our parents? Uh, generation. I, I feel like, I know your story, your mum's amazing and I feel like the generation above us and even above them were just amazing go-getters. They didn't complain, they just got on with the job whereas for us we have more outlets to be able to winch and we take them. <laughs> <laughs> so Gee, we're able honest. to have our voices yeah, we're able to have our voices heard when we say, like, on social media what's going on with parenthood, whereas you don't really know the tough times that our parents had because they just yes. probably just got on with the job. They just did it. Um, they just did it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I need to suck kids. it up. I just need to. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, we went out, before we get into it, uh, just some getting to know you type questions. I'll just, whatever comes to mind. Like, first oh, concert. Dear. Okay. First concert. You too. 
You chose the Roper, I think it was, at the um, MCG. It was awesome. So Roper, that wasn't one of their better ones. I'm going to be. Can I put that out there? I love you too. One of my favourite <laughs> bands. For, for the Zara, that was not. <laughs> that's, that's where we're starting. You're abusing my first. I know. I know. It's not Joshua. <laughs> it's not Joshua Trees. What I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't Joshua no, Tree. That's anyway. okay. Look, the next one was ACDC. Does that make you happier? That's good. I love. I love them both. Okay. I love them both. What was your first okay. job? <laughs> I'm slagging. Oh, you did. Did you first did you really job. just ask my first job? Oh yeah. no, I was a I was a waitress at the pancake parlor. Wow, I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, most embarrassing moment. Oh wow! Now do you know what? I have quite a few, but I probably have to say um, I was on a start line in um, Latvia once, and my coach Sebastian Cole, it was his first race of him watching me. And the gun went and I was off the start line and I had to explain to him after the race why I was off the start line. It was because I had caught the eye of somebody in the crowd, a boy, and I was looking at him and the gun went and it never happened again and it was very embarrassing and it was kind of embarrassing telling my coach that at the time. That's, that's <laughs> hey, I won the race. That's, I won the race. You won the race. Hey, hey. There's been a few footballers who have lost track of as they're running out and there's cheerleaders and so forth. They've they've, oh. lost, they've lost focus. All right, so it's a, but yours is another level. I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, it was the only time it happened, and I um, of course you know what? I improved as I got older. I promise. <laughs> What's your favourite movie? Um, look, the first thing that came to my head was Dumb and Dumber, and I have no idea why that came to my head first. But I'm a massive superhero fan, so. Um, I love the Avengers and movies like that as well. I have not seen Dumb and Dumber. Is that bad? That's really bad. <gasps> Ever? I have never seen it. I just saw it and I just thought this movie looks so bad. I know, I know it's got, um, so, I know it's done so well, but no, but know. it is cringeworthy. It <laughs> is. You have to be in a certain mood. But I, you know, you, you know me well enough to know that I just, I do love my humour. Yeah, and, I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was young, Dumb and Dumber really made me laugh. But I, I, I do really love the Avenger movies and um, Guardians of the Galaxy and, and um, the make-believe stuff I'm really into. I, I just love that stuff, which you're probably really disappointed at me, especially with the career path you've taken since Ford. Yeah, no, I didn't ex- I didn't expect you to to, uh, to say Chasing Comets was going to be your uh, your favourite film. I just, and I'm not offended because it's been no one's, so that's okay. A person from history you'd like to have met? Jesse Owens. Oh, yeah. What about pet hate? Do you have one? Oh, I hate cooking. I really do. I, um, I'm not a big fan of You and my wife would get along. You and my wife would get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> I know your wife and I would get along. I already yeah. know that. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, she, the cooking is like, uh, yeah, it's not one of her fortes. And she's, she's very open and honest about it. And I knew it before I entered into this marriage. So, hey, there you go. Something- Did you think I said could- I said cooking. <laughs> you say? I thought you said cooking. Oh, what did you say? Do you know what, folks? Cooking would be my second. Oh. Ted hate. No, cooking. I hate cooking. whinging. I, um, oh, I'm I like so people sorry. Who, you know, no, it's, it's, um, I probably should speak better English. I'll no, practice no, no. harder. Not at all. Not at all. I love the baby. You know, n- oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of those things where I guess doing and and being around a lot of people um, who you know in Paralympic teams and and have real get up and go. I, I always I always um, 
I don't know. I get disappointed in people who sook. I think you have to have a real reason to sook every day and complain. But I love people who are positive and ambitious and, and always find a reason to get out there and make the most of each day. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Is there something you wish you were better at? Can I say cooking to that one? Cooking 100%. But I've also seen you dance, so I'd add that to the list as well. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair play. play. There's not too many people that can't pull off a basic two-step. You're one of those, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? My husband didn't marry me for my dancing ability, so that's okay. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey, the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? What did I do? They didn't like some of the boyfriends I chose as I was dating, if I remember quite correctly, but... um, you know, I was a skateboarder as a kid rather than be a little ass. So I think some of those those um, times where I was out playing with the boys on the skateboard, they were probably a little bit nervous. Um, but I can't really think of one particular thing that made them upset. Oh, uh, you know what? My mum in particular, when it came to, I'd been doing classical ballet for six years, and then it came to it, them changing the class to Saturday afternoons. It was going to clash with me watching my football team Hawthorne play, so I quit ballet. That would be the one that disappointed my mum the most. That's <laughs> too funny. <laughs> What's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, playing the guitar. I still haven't mastered it, and if you spoke to anybody in my family, they would say, yep, it's no good. I think my first piano lesson as well, I started on the – we had a concert, and I started on yeah. the wrong note and finished on the wrong note. But, geez, did I stand up and bow and thought I was amazing until my dad told me in my 21st years later. So, musically, that would be something that I've never mastered. Do you, are you are you a muso? Are you a frustrated muso? Is that what, something that you're passionate about? Or? Uh, you know, every Saturday I would watch Young Talent Time – on the weekend and I would perform for my family and I'd say, please let me try out. I need to do this. This is my calling. And they said, just keep practicing because I was obviously terrible. Um, but I was so angry at them for so many years for not letting me pursue music, but I'm terrible. I'm really terrible apparently. That's so funny. But- you, you bring up um, uh, Young Talent Time because I, on the film I had um, TJ Havana as one, she just did yep. a, a cameo. And, yeah. And, you know her her boyfriend is is Vince from. Oh, well, I, don't know, I don't know if they're married or not, but it's but it was it was Vinny. So it was Post like, boy. yeah. So mm-hmm. he was like, I, I was like, start. Everyone wanted to meet her, and I'm like, I'm go, I go to him, yeah. and I'm, I'm like, I oh, forget about it. It's, it's Vinny. He was the TV. He was the TV hit pinup boy. So he awesome, was. Wasn't he? Like, he was. Yes. Yeah, oh, he, he was fantastic. Wow. I know, I know, and um, but that that was a great era. I got to say that was a, it was good, good sort of wholesome family type um, type you know viewing, yeah, and it's 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 a bit different to Married at First Sight. I got to say to what what we've pro- <laughs> how we've progressed apparently as a society. <laughs> I know, I know. Young Talent Time was great, but I still am really annoyed at my parents for not giving me a go at rehearsing and trying out to be part of that team because ah, oh, I loved it every weekend. So, how did you get into running then? If it was, you know, obviously there was a burning ambition for the entertainment industry, but running in a <laughs> sense is a. Um, it's a form of entertainment. How did you How did you get into that? How did you know, at, at what age did you go, you know what, I think there's something here, you know, in terms of, you know, your progress? Um, my, so my parents will say that they saw it in me from a young age because they were both um, represented Australia in track and field. But 
they kind of hoped that I wouldn't do the sport because they'd had a lot of disappointment in the sport themselves and they knew how tough the sport was. Mm. Um, so I didn't do little athletics. But like I said, I was a skateboarder and I was so much more interested in kicking the football with my brother and his mates and um, playing cricket. But when I got to school, you would do school athletics mm. and I started beating the boys and the teacher saw me and kissed Chasey and I was catching them all really quickly. Wow. <laughs> and then... And then I remember in PE class, he used to have handicapped races where he would put me 10 metres behind the boys and I'd run them down. I'm not quite sure what that was, what was on the um, PE curriculum, but that's what we used to do. And I think it was just because I was really good at it from a young age and I was winning races, but I just loved it. And so, you, so that progressed to um, – because your parents were right, really, because really, like, track and field, it hasn't been – Traditionally, I don't know, it's probably changed, but it wasn't funded very well. It was, you know, from some of my friends who, who went into that field as well, they, they're pretty much forking out for their own expenses. Mm-hmm. And, and But is that what they're talking about in terms of the tough road or is it just the actual the training or maybe the, the uh, in comparison to other sports and, and the fact that, you know, there were going to be certain challenges? What, what, do you, what were some of those sort of um, concerns for them? So, yeah, obviously the funding is tough. You do have to rely on a lot of people and, you know, you have to work little jobs to be able to go overseas because it's pretty much a European sport. You need to be over there in the European summer. Mm. Um, so the, the, the financial side is tough. But, I mean, I think on the flip side, the good thing about that is that you know that you have to study hard and, and work hard at what you want to do outside of the sport, which I think in terms of other sports, you know, by the time you retire, that actually helps. Um, but the, the thing that's really tough with track and field is that the one thing that our sport has to offer is track suits to our athletes, and sometimes they make it extra hard to make teams, and that's the thing that they were talking about. And I thought that they were wrong for a lot of my career, but then I did feel that at the back end of my career where you miss out on teams. And I've seen it happen to so many athletes, and it can be heartbreaking, you know, mm. that you work really hard to represent your country, you get qualifiers, and you don't get picked, and that sort of disappointment, it hurts. Like, it hurts really mm. deep and it's soul-destroying. And yeah. I think they just didn't want that for their daughter, which is fair enough. But luckily, um, you know, I love that I did athletics and I love the really great moments. And the moments that didn't go really well, I think it's, you've got to let go of bitterness and move on after it anyway. But hopefully we can keep working hard to change that for the next generation so that we do start picking athletes and we really look after the talent that we do have here that are trying their best um, just to get that track suit and represent their country overseas. Yeah, I think because, um, you know, something that's that's progressed in, in all sports ha- has been the attention to welfare um, for athletes, and I was going to touch on that a bit later, but I don't think people can understand who haven't been in that position of the kind of, the fall that it is. I was talking to Steve War about this, um, about his son who who has decided yep. to take a break. Um, uh, he didn't he didn't uh, push to the next level, and he's just going to have a little bit of a, a break because for certain reasons. And just in terms of like play care for management care around those players who have really from young said this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, and then you get to a place where you go, oh this actually may not happen it's a bit of a fall there that not a lot of people can understand that we have progressed i think in terms of player welfare but there's still a long way to go i i think in in managing that especially for those athletes who are not of the profile 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and but they, but they they've given everything, and then all of a sudden it's taken away, and it's it's over at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Austin. Austin Moore was a great young player. Yeah, yep. he Austin, was a great yeah. young player. He, you know, he went through the cricket pathway system. And, oh, of course, because um, your you're, sorry, because your husband um, Graham <laughs> is the, the pathway manager. Yeah, it, it, it's so I'm probably, I'm probably bagging I'm probably bagging him indirectly. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a hundred percent for the pathway system. I think you raise right. really great um, points that in all sports. Pathways and transition is so important mm. and it's an area that needs to be funded and really looked after in mm. all sports because that period through when you've gone through school and you've got a lot going on and you're, you know, you're at school and you've got your diary full to where you then have to transition into senior sport is the most tough period for any athlete, no matter what um, sport they're in. And I think you, you, you've touched on an area where I think that in Australia we can definitely improve in. I speak to track and field all the time because especially in track and field where, you know, your body and that strength that comes with age and maturity of mind and, and learning the lessons as you go, that mm. transition period is still where we lose a lot of our athletes. You know, you just look at how, how many athletes make the junior team and then make a senior team. Um, and sometimes athletes don't actually achieve their goals until they're a lot older. You mentioned my husband. He didn't get a bag of green until he was heaps older, you know. So you've got to keep your athletes in there and um, in the system. And with, with positive reinforcement and with showing I'm, – I'm a big believer in sports that I think a lot of people get lost in federations thinking that it's about funding. Mm. But I'm a big believer that it's about showing empathy and showing these athletes that genuinely care, you know. That the system's authentic and that they actually um, care about the person, not just about their results, but how they're going away from the sporting arena and the fact that if they do step away from it, know that there's always that way to come back to it and they care that they've lost them out of the system, but they also understand that sometimes you do need to step away for a little bit before you can find your way back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And just just for everybody, I, I did mention briefly, but Graham, who's Tamsin's uh, husband, He's been serving Australia's as Australia's national pathway manager as well as a national talent manager. Is that right? Yes, in cricket. Yeah, in, sorry. In cricket. In, sorry, in cricket. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Obviously, that's, yeah. his, that's his strong yeah. background. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he he um he played for the Redbacks. He was the captain of the South Australian team for a while, and he's a wicketkeeper. And um, you know, he's got wonderful knowledge on cricket. And he's, you know, for me, I'm clearly biased. But um, he's, he's somebody who I really look up to because in terms of even, I was talking to someone on the weekend about this, when you retire from sport, and you'll know this, Jace, it's so incredibly hard to give up something that you've spent so much of your life doing, you've got great passion for, yep. and it's been your way of thinking for so much of your life. Yep. He just retired and was able to like click a switch and he never mentioned it again and just moved on. I've never met really? anyone who's been able to do wow. Yes, and he was still scoring hundreds and still playing really well the time he told me he was going to quit. I was completely shocked. But mm, that is, that, just, that is, that's just, unusual. I've got to say that's unusual because it's so unusual. Yeah. Um, but, for, but for me, I, you know, and people often say like two elite sports people in a relationship, but it works because of this, Jace. I told him from day one, there can only be one big head and elite person in this relationship, and that's me. So you're going to have to play the other role. <laughs> and he's played it beautifully. <laughs> that's so funny. How did you guys meet, by the way? Uh, we actually met through a ex uh, Essendon footballer who was a player manager, Rick Laurentio. And so we had the same manager at the same uh, um, when we were playing sport. Right. 
And uh, so, yeah, a long you, time did ago. You make, did you make the first move, or did Gra- did Graham this oh, ch- go for a bit of a chase, I, or you did? Because you seem no, like the kind of I want it. No, go go. Sorry, you go. I want to lie. I really want to lie. Can you make up a better story and tell tell everybody that it was him who changed me? But no, <laughs> no but he'll I just call think- in and he'll say that's not how it happened. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking because I mean, you're chasing boys from a younger age. Admittedly, it's part of a sprint routine, but yeah. and you, and you play it and, and I just feel like I don't know if you can use the word tomboyish, but you know you you. You, that's you, you know you're hanging around guys all the time. You're familiar yeah. with guys, and you're like your buddies with guys. And it would make yeah, it would be make sense for you to just casually like to, hey, you want to go around? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come for a run with me? No, that's not how it works. But anyway, um, no, the thing was we we um, we were friends first, and he lived in South Australia, and I was in Victoria, and I guess I was living over in England when we first met, and. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where um, I just all of a sudden decided that he was the right guy for me. And wow. then I probably, I pursued him. I would did have you, to put it down to that. But I, I hate that you. I've had to say that to you. No, I no, that's good. That. It's good. I, I think it's a good thing because um, my wife did the same for me. So she went, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is such that's a lie. Not, that's, a, that's a big lie. But no, I think it's good because you know if you if you if you found someone that you know like oh my my gosh I mean we we all dated enough people the wrong kind of people to yeah. know that when you find someone mm-hmm. sometimes they're worth pursuing and you know like it's 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 a good it's a good thing I think to to recognise the val- the value in that in the potential of the relationship and make and make you know, good steps towards it, you know. You weren't a stalker. There's no one knew you. You weren't a stalker. But, but, <laughs> but you're but, def- you know, the, Sorry. The thing is, the thing is when, um, you know, when you spend a lot of time on your own doing an elite sport, I guess there's lots in my 20s that I would go back and change. But then I sometimes think I'm, I'm a better person because of a lot of my mistakes that I did make in my 20s. And I think when I, I was in my late 20s and, um, Graham and I finally got together. When people ask me, what is the one thing in your life you wish you could change? My answer always goes directly to, I wish I started dating Graham earlier because wow. I became a better person and a better athlete um, in the years where after Graham and I started dating because he's just, I think when you find the right person, everything around you just calms down and you just find this real inner peace of happiness that you don't have to go out and chase anything else. You can just focus on your own goals and your own dreams and everything's just much happier. And so I always think that the, the best thing I ever achieved was marrying Graham because I, you know, for the rest of my life, I have a wonderful partner and friends that I get to yeah. do the crazy adventure we call life with. No, absolutely. I think, I think given the importance of who you marry, um, and the impact, or even who you date, who you choose to date, and it's something you, you know, we're both going to face as our as our kids grow up, um, and to advise them and so forth. But mm-hmm. don't you think that it's it's probably one of the, if not the the most important decision you'll you'll ever make, really, because the quality of your your life at home it just flows into every single area of your life, and if you and if you with the wrong person, far out, even if, you know, like, and there's just the synergy's not there and the chemistry's yeah. not there and it's, you're continually butting heads. It could just make life so, so much harder, I think. And and given how important it is to to not only try and find the right person but, you know, be the right person as well, 
there's so little teaching um, and guidance in school for something like relationships, I've got to say, which is at the end well, of the yeah. day... Tony, your life's only as good as the relationships around you, but I just think it's an area that, I mean, I remember coming out of school like, yeah, I know Pythagoras' theory and, I, you know, I did well, I got a high UIA and all that stuff, but relationally I was just so devastatingly poor at communication mm-hmm. and and I know part of the role of parents and so forth is to, to help you with that, but sometimes, you know, parents aren't on the scene. And so I just think there's an area there in the schooling system that, you know, could really need uh, the, 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 some, some adjustment forward in, in that area. Because I don't know about you, but I was never really directed in terms of how to make a good decision about, you know, who you, mm-hmm. you, who you end up with. Yeah, I 100% agree with all of that. I feel like we need good role models for our kids coming through those teenage years. But yep. your role models don't tend to talk about um, the mistakes they made with relationships, you know, like, and, and I think that that's actually probably key. It doesn't have to be a partner relationship. It could be the manager you choose. It could be, um, yep. you know, the friendship group that you hang out with. My parents definitely did try to tell me, but I was so stubborn and headstrong. I always oh, really? wanted to do the opposite. Yes, I've got great parents. Do you think that's going to Great parents. Oh, my gosh. Is that going to come back around with you? No, it won't come oh, back around with yours. That you way. You won't. know what? I think sometimes, you know, you know, you the mistakes you made in your 20s, if you're able to be really real with your kids, I feel like they'll really respect that and yeah. they'll take your advice on board really well um, because, you know, they'll understand that you've lived and learned and you've still got to let them live their lives and take yeah. their path. But I think it's always good to be able to have their respect. Once you've got their respect, then if you can show them, um, you know, you didn't get it right all the time, I, I feel like... I feel like youngsters and teenagers and kids respect you more when you actually show them that you're human and that you've made mistakes yeah, yeah, to they get do. to the path that you really enjoy I think, and it's I think, the right path. I think intimacy is formed, I think, when when people can identify with your weaknesses rather than someone who professes not to have any. You know, I, I definitely warm to yep. people that that are a bit vulnerable and open about their about the things they did wrong because it, it makes me feel a lot more human knowing that you know what I mean because I stuffed up I made poor choices you know I still do on occasions and stuff but it just (laughs) helps it just helps it just helps me on on navigate my journey knowing that oh you know he's he's in a good place now but he did make mistakes Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Agree, and I think in terms of the sporting world, um, you know, in team sports, you kind of have the people placed around you. Um, in, a, in an individual sport like track and field, you get to choose a lot of the people who are around you and help you on your journey, and that's why a lot of individual sports people say that they don't feel like they're alone when they're out there competing, um, and that's, that's true. You know, I ended up in my athletics career getting my brother to coach me, and I had wonderful athletics coaches, but I got the most success when I was with him because it just worked, you know. Um, he he knew that he had to be tough on me. He knew me so well. And I also knew that he genuinely cared when I didn't go well. Like the pain that I felt on the track when I was set, like upset, he also felt. Um, and we learned from all the coaches that I had before and he was still in contact with um, Sebastian and Daly overseas. And, um, you know, I just feel like the relationship and the team that you set up around you, not just in, in sport, in life. Yeah. God, it makes the journey easier if they're really if they're really authentic and genuine people that care about you. 
But doesn't that take a journey, Tams, and avoiding out the motives? Oh, yeah. and the, it does, isn't that a journey <laughs> of like, you just think people have got genuine motives. I've, I've been so naive in my relationships, if I'm honest. I, I think, I feel like I'm big hearted and I, I, I sort of, you know, yeah, hard on the sleeve and just like, you know, but I, I just, I've had to learn through a lot of painful relationships, ex-relationships that, that yeah, that's right. There's only probably a small amount of people that you can trust with your and bear your soul to, and it's, um, you know, you've got to have that. You've got to have that. And but it is a journey to find that. I've got to say, has that been your experience or? Yeah, definitely. And and I think I'm pretty similar. I always say what I think, um, which yeah. sometimes I probably should have maybe kept my mouth shut at certain times in my in my life. But it's who I am, and I like to be honest with how I go about. Um, my thoughts and, and the way I go about my sport, the way I go about my life. Um, so, yeah, I think when I was younger and through my 20s, I was the kind of person who I probably didn't respect the person who was the image that was reflected in the mirror enough. Yeah. Um, I probably put out the image that I was the most confident person in the world, but I really wasn't. Um, and I think because of that, I chased the wrong sort of people to have around me um, because I put their egos or their their fun ways or whatever it was about mm, them mm. helped me feel good for that little moment in time. But it, it was an authentic relationship. And everybody's different. You know, the people who I had friendships and relationships with in my 20s are probably really good people for other people, but everybody's so different and, and needs yes. um, different type of people for it to work. And I, I guess as I got older and I realized um, – I didn't feel like I had the right team set up around me. I think that's when I started to realise that what I thought was important was probably not as important as the things that I should have been focusing more of my time on. It's so true. Someone said to me once, um, someone could be a good person but not good for you. And I just yeah. thought, oh, wow, that's that's a nice – that's a gold nugget there. Like someone can be – they can be a good person but they're just not good for you. They're not a good fit for you and – um, but but for you, I mean, let's go back to you because in 1994, like you're 15 years of age, mm-hmm. you chose, you're chosen to compete at the Commonwealth Games. I mean, that's a lot for a 15-year-old. I mean, you'd, won, yeah. you'd won, won uh, you know, you'd, you merged onto the national athletic scene, you won heaps of national events, Australian championships and so forth, but... What what for a fifteen year old to, to handle that? How did you how did you process like what, what was that what was that like? You know, I was so young too. Now I look back, I was a very young fifteen year old. So I um you know, I still had Tweety Pie clips in my hair when I was <laughs> So I was oh, a really funny. young fifteen year old and I got put on a team with like twenty plus year olds and you know, I went I, I went on the junior team first. I was away overseas for over ten weeks. Um, my mum had to come and look after me for a week in London before she put me on a plane on my own to go to Canada. Um, wow. The team didn't really look after me, if I'm going to be honest. Like, yeah. it was an era where they probably weren't used to dealing with a 15-year-old who was coming overseas. And some of the stuff that happened to me on that team was actually really bad, really bad. Wow. Um, but luckily, my personality isn't one to fit and well on it, I kind of came home and thought, well, I don't really like this sport. I might not do it or I might just do it at school level. And I didn't love it as much for a while. So it took me four more years after that first team to crack into the senior team again. And I had a lot of problems in between that transition phase where the sport 
you know, chewed me up and spat me out a little bit. But, oh. you know, my mum and dad and family and, and um, my coach, my first coach and then my new coach, Peter Fortune, who was coach Kathy Freeman to Olympic gold. You know, they were really good to me and they yeah. were patient and they helped me get back. But looking back on it, um, I think, wow, my mum must have been so scared sending her 15-year-old away. So I'm not quite sure I could do that with my daughter. I know, I um, know. Far out. That's mm, huge. Now, now yep. that I've got a child, I think about that stuff and I'll go, no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, but I would have hated her if she hadn't oh. let me go. So it's twofold, you know. That's like, true, that's true. But I was really young and um, my life, it seemed normal. And and I never really focused on anything other than running around the track. So I didn't take any of the rest of the stuff in. But I do know that some of the things that happened on that team probably did influence a lot of the way I was for the senior part of my career. Some good made me very tough. <laughs> yeah. Some bad because I think I was a nicer person perhaps before I went on that team and I learned to be harder, have that harder exterior. Mm. Um, but it was just, it is what it is. And, um, you know, it was an experience. And at the age of 10, I was on the paper, front page of the paper the first time. At the age of 15, I was on the front page of the paper. It was just my normal childhood. Wow, that's amazing. So it wasn't that long after that that you were part of the bronze medal to win a bronze medal at the, by the, the 4x400 metres at the 1996 World Championships in Sydney. Um, World Juniors, yeah. World Juniors, yeah. which but is, I was, yeah, sorry. I was not in a good way in those junior teams. I, wow. I was not looking after myself health-wise, and I, you know, I had coaches. I had a really different build to a lot of the other girls who raced, um, and it's kind of noticeable when you're out there in, you know, pretty much bikinis running around. So I look very female compared to um, some of the more hardened bodies and, um, you know, lean runners back in, you know, when I was a teenager. And so the coaches told me in no certain terms that I was heavy. And so I kind of lost a lot of weight because I thought that's what I had to do to be fast. And I was just not oh. in a good way at those juniors. So I'm not oh. quite sure how. We got that medal. Actually, yes, I do. The other three girls obviously carried us around the track. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm indebted to them. <laughs> what, what, what would be your highlight? Because, there, I mean, there's so much to go through in terms of what you achieved. And, you know, I just love talking to you about the personal side of life and relationships. But if we can focus on – I was looking at your career. Was it the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games or, what? you know, what – if you would say your highlight, the highlight of of your career, what what would mm-hmm. that be? Oh, it's an easy one. Um, the 2008 World Indoor Gold. That was that was just something that means so much to me because I beat a really quality field, um, and I had my moment to stand on top of the dais and hear the Australian anthem and be the world champion for the day, and that was really special because in terms of women's 800 meter running, the way that it was in the era that I ran, um, you didn't. You know, Maria Mitola, who was the Olympic gold medalist from Sydney, she won the world indoors mm. eight times, I think it was. And so, you know, to get on that top of the podium was really difficult. And then a lot of the Olympics I was at were run by um, hermaphrodites, so females who actually have XY chromosomes, or the Russian drug seats, you know. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. it was an era where it was really tough, and I was just really proud that, of the hard work myself and my team had mm. done. And, and just you know, 1994 to 2008 is a long time. You know, it's a long time and there's a lot of hits in between then. So for me, that one moment, that two minutes of racing to get on that podium was very, very special for myself and for my team. 
Well, you, you've never been one to shy away from your opinion. It's something that I really, really like. You're, fair, <laughs> you're fearless and you, you live or die by the by the sword. But I, I like it because we are living in a, a very, you know, PC age and you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are fearful to, to come out and say stuff like even, you know, the, the, the drug cheating which was prevalent in your era. But there, there seems to be a greater fear these days which a lot of athletes and ex-athletes have expressed concern over and even uh, even mm-hmm. P- Piers Morgan um, took aim at the inclusion of sort of transgender athletes in certain fields. And particularly, there was one that yep. that he talked about the weightlifter Laurel Hubbard, um, mm-hmm. um, and you know, but basically said it's in, his his words were this is insane. Women's rights to basic fairness and equality are getting destroyed at the altar of political correctness. He says Tran- yep. trans women born with biological male bodies have a massive physical advantage against women born with females in any sport where power and strength are significant factors. You've had a bit of an opinion yourself about that and I know it all it all comes from a place of wanting to protect women and give them a, a, a fair go at, at the competitive stage. But tell us a bit about you know your point of view there. Um, well, you know, I think the beauty of having an opinion in this area now is the fact that it's not going to advantage me. It's it's more about protecting that female category for the people who are competing now and for the future generations coming through. There is a female category in sport for a reason, and I don't think anyone can deny the fact that the male body and the female body are very different. Um, and so when when I have to... You know, when we're discussing female sport and moving forward, and they're talking about allowing transgenders to compete, or they're talking about another, a different issue, which is what I came up against in my sport, intersex athletes, where they are, they they think they've, they've been born and they have female um, anatomy on the outside, but they actually have XY chromosomes, and so they have higher testosterone than, than females. I think both of those areas are areas where we need to look into in elite sport because you kind of, if you don't, the female category is going to be compromised. And, and nobody, I think the main area of this is you have to be respectful. You know, so when you're having yes. these conversations, you really have to be respectful because we're talking about human beings. And I think it's really good to be able to have conversations. And you talked about being in a PC world. It's true. A lot of people are really fearful of saying what they genuinely think because they're scared the other side's going to come down on them hard. Mm. But I think we're not going to get anywhere if we all sit quietly and don't have those respectful yes, conversations. That's right. yep. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, that's right. No. And I did, you know, I feel like I have a valuable um, experience in this area because I did spend a lot of time running in the women's 800 where XY chromosome <coughs> females um, who are biologically male were winning races at that back end because that strength they had was just, incomparable you know you couldn't actually do anything on the training track to compete with that and that's why in the Rio Olympics the three ladies on the um, dais were XY chromosomes and that's why World Athletics has made the stance to try and drop their testosterone level so that they can still compete and there's been a lot of discussion around the South African Casper Semenya on that one but the transgender issue I also um, am fearful of not getting that right because you're right if a body goes through puberty they, they have a lot of the advantages um, in, in that body before, you know, if they go out to compete. And that's going to make a real difference in the results. 
Um, so I think there needs to be a lot more research done before um, transgenders are allowed to compete in that female category. And we're seeing it in sport already in junior age groups. If you don't get it right, there's been recently events where um, um, simply boys who identify as females are kicking that female box and winning junior female races. And I think that that's so incredibly dangerous because we talked earlier about how to get into sport. I got through it in it through school sport by winning. I loved it. And if we take away that ability for females, sex females, to win at that junior level in state titles and leading into nationals, you may find that we lose some of our next crop of elite athletes. Mm. You might even find that you lose the depth out of female sport because they don't even want to participate anymore. So I think that it's an area that really needs... um, consideration and I am very fearful of not protecting that female category No, I appreciate your, your comments and, and, and you know it comes from a, a good place it's a as I said it's a, a concern for the for the for the greater for women and, and part of a, a greater sort of issue surrounding competitive sport is there is there is there something you'd some advice that you would get say your your kids come to you and they say we, we want to go down this path of of running, uh, is there anything, particular advice you'd, you'd give to them? Uh, do you know, I think with all sport, when they're young, it's always got to be about enjoyment. Just fun. I think if they're really, yep, for me, it's always about enjoyment. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. Because even when, even when you get to the top, if you don't enjoy it, you're actually not going to be very successful at it because there has to be elements of it that you enjoy. Of course, there's elements that you're not going to like, um, but you have to enjoy it and you have to find a way to enjoy it, even in the times where you are struggling. Um, the other thing is when you're a junior, I'm a really big believer in not doing too much. I love kids in Australia doing so many different sports and trying so many different sports. Mm. Um, you know, I, at school I did every sport that was on offer nearly, and I love that, and I think that's why I was successful as a junior because I hardly trained in track and field. We just did speed work twice a week, and um, but all the other sports I did made, made me fit but they were enjoyable because they weren't the precious sport of, of running as such. So um, I think that not specialising early is another good one as well. That's so good. I mean, uh, that, that advice, um, because, I, look, I do I do see it as an issue for – there's a lot of sort of parents that are, that they put – from an early age, they put a lot of pressure on, on, on their kids to and, and the, the amount of hours they do. It's like mm-hmm. – it's in, it's like – you know, you're setting them up for either a fall or burnout because you're right. At that age, it's it's got to be about enjoyment and them finding their feet and seeing what what they like, not not and not placing your own sort of dreams on on you, your kids. And sometimes, yeah. you know, they're failed dreams from parents, and they're pushing their <laughs> and they're pushing their kids and they're pushing them, and it's like it can drive them away in the end. You've got to give them the space. Like, I think, like your parents. Did for you really? It was really, I guess from from what I'm sort of been hearing, it's really been your your journey to find mm-hmm. what you were yep. good at, and then you went for it, and you know they supported you, which is the best way, really. Yeah, oh, I can't tell you how much I, I won the parent lottery. I was so lucky. My mum and dad have been such good supporters, but not only have they been good supporters, they've also told me it in real language, you know? So when I was being a little upstart, I remember Dave, when I first made the Commonwealth Games, I walked down into the breakfast and down to breakfast and I was in my school uniform and I said to my dad over breakfast, I said, Dad, so I'm going to be needing a manager because I've made the Commonwealth Games and I was talking <laughs> in this voice. Dad looked up from his cereal 
and he said to me, are you starting to believe your own bull, S-H-I-T? <laughs> Can you just eat your breakfast and go to school? And I just looked at him, and I'll never forget it. I was 15 years of age, and he just shattered me just with that one comment. And he was right. Like, I wasn't even the first person in the family to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Games. I was third. Wow. <laughs> he was just like, eat your cereal and go to school. Like, athletics isn't going to pay the bill. But I see gave me a kiss and walked out the door. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah. And I needed that. I needed that around yeah, me because yeah. I can get too far ahead of myself sometimes. And, you know, that's why I love my, my relationship with my husband. He mm. pulls my head in sometimes when I need it pulled in. My brother did as well. And, you know, and that, that's why my parents have been fantastic for me. And, um, you know, I think the school sport thing, when you see parents who are all trying to live through their kids yes. again, it's one of those things where it's, it's like us, you know, sometimes, Everybody looks back on their athletics or their sporting career or even their scholastic career and they think of the failures and the, the failures sometimes highlight more than the um, successes. But I think once you can make peace with your failures, you become a much better person moving forward because you let it go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, it's been so good. I mean, a bit of tough love from your dad. It's, it is, <laughs> we're, we're living in a day and age where, you know, I think tough love is... It's the way to go. It's good love. It's real love when you can yeah. f- confront someone and just like, whoa, 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 just like, you know, because <laughs> I, I think the, the other option is like you let them go and you're living in this fantasy world and if you don't bring them around to, you know, it, it really helps you stay humble in a way too, don't you think, when you when you can have that kind of advice that, you know, when we're thinking higher thoughts of ourselves and someone just goes... This is where it's at, and it's just like, okay, that's good. That's good because you can trust it's always coming from a good place. Yeah, so my dad uses that word fantasy world too, and it's funny. You know, when you work, when you move into commentary and you've retired from your sport, sometimes I would try and tell my dad because I'd need a compliment. You know, my ego was low that day. And if I ever tried to bring up athletics, he would just go, move on, move on, don't mention it, don't look back, stop looking back. And he wouldn't even let me um, talk about it. And my brother was similar and um, Graham would tell me as well. And that's the way that I eventually was able to move on and leave it behind. Because otherwise, if you keep looking backwards, you start you start facing the wrong way, you know. And mm. um, for me, like, that sort of tough love has been really helpful. And it's the same as when you move into commentary or when you move into work, if you want to work in sports um, media. You can't bring things back to yourself because the world's moved on. Moved and that's, on. that's yeah. the best lesson I had was never, ever – talk about yourself because then you're able to do the research on all the people that you're about to interview and you'll learn about their stories and you'll, your brain will get so much more out of doing something an interview if you're actually learning from the person that you're speaking to or the sport that you're involved in um, rather than keeping on looking back and focusing on yourself. And look, that's just a great life lesson really on being outward focused in your life and relationships, how you can add value to other people's life. You know, if the less it's about you, people think when you focus, and we're living in a generation that is so selfie focused, don't get me wrong, um, but mm-hmm. the more you can actually be outward focused and, and consider other people and help and, and look to help and serve community and things like that, like your world gets bigger. Your world just grows mm-hmm. and it grows, but when we're when we're inward focused, it's a small it's a small minded sort of 
world that you live in, it's all become centric around you and your desires and your dreams and your goals. But the best, I always think the best way to, to, to go for gold or to, to reach for the stars is to really start looking at this world and say, well, how can I help make a difference and align my passions with that difference. And it's just about being outward focused because that's when doors open up, I think, that are that are bigger than you can ever sort of imagine and they're ones that you couldn't open up yourself because your attitude, it, it's it's off yourself and it's on to other people. And I think I think that's what, you know, is a, is a real key towards... And I think that's 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 been you really since I've known you and, and um, you know, that you've... You are you are that kind of person, and you've, you're very generous spirited, and uh, you know it's been so great to just touch touch base with you again because it has been a while. And you said you were going to come, <laughs> you're going to come over one day when you're back in Sydney from Melbourne. I will, I will definitely come over. But you know what? When we first met, I feel like I was more inwardly focused, the way that you were describing, and I think that my journey from the moment that we've met has been one of those that I've got to the point where I'm at now, where I'm a much better all-round human. I don't look in the mirror and need to be complimented because that's not what life's about. That's not where you're going to feel that that you get to the end of the day to put your head on the pillow and you've had a real day where you feel rewarded. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do definitely feel like I've changed a lot since I first met you. Oh, you were great. And I feel like you helped me. Oh. You helped me on my journey. You really did because I needed to, you know, you get lost in the journey of life. You really do. So even when, when I had a dad that was able to tell me to pull my head in, you still go out there and you make your own mistakes and if you can learn from them and get to the point where at the end of the day you're very happy, then I feel like you've got a massive tick next to your name. I think so too. I think so too. And that's very kind of you to say. Uh, Tantum, it's been so good to reconnect again. And um, I really want to thank you for your time because I know you, you've you've got the two little ones and it's you've got, <laughs> you've got it's mayhem and you know you you're uh, you've got so much more on your plate. But really, thank you so much for joining us on the Spirit of Sport. Thank you for having me and absolutely loving your new new gig, Good Thanks. job. Thank you so much. And, th- and, and listen, everyone, if you missed out on tonight, obviously next Sunday morning, 5.30 to 7 a.m., you can listen again and also on the SEN 1170 SEN app. There's a catch-up there, and you can listen to all the past interviews as well as 2CH Digital as well. And that's it from me. Thank you so much uh, for listening in. I hope you have a great week. You've been listening to The Spirit of When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. Sport, hang in there. It's going to be a great week.